This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by Mudgear. Mudgear serves the unleashed. They've created a brand of tough, strong, functional performance gear. This stuff is built to endure and push you along the way because like you, Mudgear's made tougher. From their custom-created Mudgear race jersey to their trail socks, it's all built for the outdoor athlete. I'm wearing a Mudgear t-shirt right now. I have their tack hat which I absolutely love. I had it on during a ruck this morning. Their race shirts, those bad boys, they're all built in the USA. It's just good stuff. Get sweaty, get dirty. It's all good. Whether it's for a road race or an obstacle adventure, Mudgear can help you gear up for the extreme performance. We have an exclusive for all Pick Up the Six listeners. Go to mudgear.com slash P-U-T-6, the number six. That's mudgear.com slash P-U-T and the number six and you're going to save 15% off your order, just like that. But it's only for Pick Up the Six listeners. Go to mudgear.com slash P-U-T-6, the number six, and let's get after it. Mudgear, it's made tougher. There is an ever-growing need for social and emotional development and support, but sitting back and waiting for others to do it That's not something Robert Jones Black is interested in. He's doing something about it with the Generation Next project. The impact they're striving for and Robert's connection to one of golf's all-time greats on this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Robert Jones Black, welcome to the show. Brian, I am super excited to be here. Love what you're doing first of all so uh this is really cool thank you thank you brother Uh, i appreciate that and that word brother will make sense here in a moment here's the way this life goes (laughs) and i love this world we're living in not but a week or two ago uh, i'm going through some different social media channels posting some pick up the six content and i'm scrolling through linkedin and this post comes across my feed and before i can even see who posted and who shared it i see this video for this Generation Next project. I watched the entire video again before I even knew who posted. I'm like, this looks incredible. I'm like, wow, this Robert Jones Black guy seems like a really cool guy. This is an amazing mission that they're on here. And then I go back and see a fraternity brother of ours from App State shared it. And I realize we've got a connection that was pre existing that I didn't even know about before. So, brother, fraternity brother here from App State. Man, I'm excited to have you on and, and talk a little bit about that. The, it, it is a small world, how we get connected all these years later. It, it really is. And uh, it was neat to see that the LinkedIn message come in. It was you, Walker, and I. Yeah. And I was like, all right, hold on. What do we got going on right. here? Read about what you were doing. And I was like, this is this is awesome. This is fantastic. And there's one thing uh, my wife, my family, and everybody will agree on. I love to talk. So let's talk. <laughs> well, perfect, man. Let's do this for sure. I want to talk about your journey first, your, your story first as well. And I talked about one of those all-time greats. So we're going to get to that in a moment. But tell me a little bit about the Robert Jones Black story. Well, uh, I, like you said, we both graduated from uh, Appalachian State University. I got out of there in 99. Um, w- without a doubt, uh, uh, probably to the dismay sometimes of my parents, but I've always had a very entrepreneurial approach to career. Um, I like telling people that uh, we're in uh, 2021 now. So from 1999 to 2021, 
Uh, I've worked a total of four years in an office for someone else. Right. Uh, always chase my own uh, ambitions. Um, one of the early jobs I got uh, was in Wilmington, and they had a, a Class A baseball team that in our real year got hired as an account executive, did the on-field promotions in between innings, you know, all the little games, dizzy, bad, and all that. That got me the sports marketing bug. And uh, so uh, my, my, my career's always been marketing, um, but I've always chased big. Um, I spent some time uh, repping before she was even uh, known on the U.S. circuit, uh, Danica Patrick. Um, I went into entertainment marketing, worked with one of the biggest independent filmmakers in the history of the U.S. until the uh, my big fat Greek wedding franchise started. Uh, this gentleman's name was Larry Meistrich. Larry uh, was best known for producing Sling Blade. Uh, but he was on a new venture. I did some time with that, worked with a cooking show, started a new venture uh, in 2015 that uh, leads us kind of to where we are today and to the association that you're speaking about. Um, but that's just how I've always been. I've always just been very independent thinking, um, a little stubborn. I guess we got to have that. <laughs> right. We, we kind of don't take no for an answer. Sure. Uh, but it's been a it's been a fun, uh, a fun career. But I, without a doubt, the past um, I, the past year and a half, most influential in the past three months building this program and building Generation Next Project, uh, I just feel like it was almost like everything prior to was yeah. building for this moment. But yeah, we know meant, we got a long meant way to, to be, go. Meant to be. Yeah. We're going to talk about what Generation Next is, the lofty and ambitious goals that you have tucked in there is talking about that love of sports and, and being around marketing and management and sports. And so in that, in that name, Robert Jones, if you start to think Robert Bobby Jones, and if you were to Google, hey, tell me the greatest golfers, the most influential, the greatest of the greats of all time in that list, none other than a one Bobby Jones. So tell me the lineage between you and the great Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones uh, is my great grandfather. So my uh, it's on my dad's side. So my dad is the uh, eldest grandson of Bobby Jones. Um, his mom was Bobby Jones' firstborn daughter. So uh, the Jones and the Blacks uh, actually lived next door to each other for a uh, time, um, I think, post-career Bobby Jones, mm -hmm. which is where my grandfather, my granddaughter, my grandmother met. Um, and they were childhood friends and then later married. And uh, he uh, got back from the war. Uh, our family was really big uh, in, in real estate in Atlanta, but he got back from World War II. He uh, um, served in the uh, Pacific Theater and he wanted to go into something different, started a, uh, or got a franchise with General Motors, the Cadillac franchise. Greensboro, North Carolina was the location that got us here. Uh, so, but yeah, so Bobby Jones is my great granddad and uh, it's just been something, um, you know, really through life, we've always been very humble with mm -hmm. and um, cherished. And uh, just in the past six years, I started getting involved with the family business side. But with this particular venture, I'm taking kind of a different piece of Bobby Jones and what he left for us mm -hmm. and putting a, a magnifying glass on it. Uh, he was an incredible, incredible writer, uh, incredible, uh, just an understanding of the English language and fascinated mm. with the English language. And when we look back at what he wrote about and what he talked about, we really see that he had this, you know, from all the way back to the night, he wrote his first book in 1927. 
Wow. So we go all the way back to 1927, almost 100 years since he wrote down the fair uh, down the fairway, and and then look at how relevant his perspective of life and controlling your emotions and understanding your emotions is to today. Wow, that's amazing. That's really incredible yeah. to think about that lasting legacy and from those early works that he was such a big part of. And I know that shaped a lot of what's brought you to the point where you are today. Give me some of the main highlights of his golf career. Uh, because man, I mean, a storied career. And again, part of in the early days of the popularity of that game, I mean, revolution, uh, revolutionizing part of it. So give me some of the main beats from his golf career. For, for sure. Yeah. I mean, number one, I mean, he was a, a junior phenom. So, uh, you know, reading about him, he, he uh, and especially uh, in that in that down the fairway book, he talks about as a kid, kid, like six years old, seven, eight years old. Uh, they, they were living their summers at East Lake uh, and he understood the game. He appreciated golf, but he loved baseball. Uh, but just kind of over the course of time, more and more golf, uh, you know, started to become part of his life. Um, he had a great friend, Perry Adair, and they would go out and play a lot together. So when he started hit, I think probably the eye-opening moment was probably when he was like 12, 13 years old. And he goes into the first like regional championship uh, and 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 makes a, a pretty big statement and uh, does very well in it. Then I think he went to Marion uh, at 14 and it wasn't the finals, but pretty close to it. Um, I probably uh, need to talk to the family to get the exacts on that, but that was where it was really like the aha moment where mm-hmm. right, this, this, this kid has this something. Kid's got something he's, special. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's competing against uh, 25, 30, 35 year olds and, and beating them. Um, so to fast forward, he kind of went through uh, the growing phase, doing a lot of junior golf, started competing in uh, U.S. Open, U.S. Amateurs. Um, they talk about his lean years uh, pre-1923 and uh, where he was finishing second and third, uh, and but not really being able to overcome and get that first win. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a second because that's very important when we talk about the lean years and the golden years. But the golden sure. years hit 23 1923 to 1930, seven years. Think about that, seven years. 13 majors. British Open, U.S. Opens, U.S. Amateurs, British Amateurs. And then the the, uh, biggest and most celebrated piece of Bobby Jones' history is in 1930, he became the first and still to this day the only golfer to complete the Grand Slam, to win all four majors in a calendar year. Um, And when he did that and accomplished accomplished that he abruptly retired from golf from competitive golf um i gotta go back to 1923 though real quick right because this is the big thing and this is lesson number one he had uh an incident happen and i believe it was 1922 where he was in a tournament and bobby had a very bad temper um especially in his junior golf days and everything throwing clubs yelling profanity you name it he could do it and in this particular tournament, he got incredibly upset and threw his golf club. The golf club went off to the side to where the gallery was and hit a lady in the leg and split her leg wide open. Um, and obviously, he had immediately uh, immediate guilt, remorse, you know, just, just felt terrible about it. And the USGA uh, uh, president or commissioner uh, wrote him a letter and said, this happens again, you're out. 
you cannot behave like this in the USGA. And he had such admiration for, uh, you know, for this gentleman that it really hit him home. Flipped the switch where never again did he express, outwardly express anger. And he actually found it to be a competitive advantage because he realized that even on don't celebrate the good, don't get mad at the bad, stay even keel and you know, you're getting, you're, you're giving your competition a different look. So it was just, I think you got to wonder how much of this is coincidence, how much of this is really the, the, the message of how important the mental part of the game is that he made the decision, no anger goes on the run 13 major championships the next year. Amazing. Amazing to think about how that all falls into place where you're right. The mental component is so, so important. The physical aggression of chucking that golf club doesn't happen without the mental trigger from the brain. And it's incredible how years and years later that would permeate into what you're doing. Man, love hearing that story. Thanks so much for sharing it and to think about that, guys. Seven-year period, 13 majors with a grand slam thrown in there. It's a reason when you talk about the all-time greats, Bobby Jones is in that list for sure. So you're going through life, right? You're doing sports marketing, all of these different things. And at some point you end up for the brand manager for Evander Holyfield, which is another pretty big <laughs> name and another one of the all-time greats in the, in the sport that he was yeah. a part of. But in that, and then during that tragedy hits your inner circle and it's all happening around this COVID timeframe. So take me back to a little over a year ago when yeah. all of that falls into place for you. Yeah. Uh, well, first it was, it was, a, it was just an absolute pleasure and honor to uh, represent Evander. And uh, you know, it was funny cause he's an Atlanta legend as well. So you have Bobby Jones out of Atlanta, Evander Holyfield out of Atlanta. The number four was big. Uh, Evander, the only four time heavyweight champion in the world. And uh, Bobby Jones, obviously with the four uh, championships in a year. So it was really neat to see those, uh, those, those similarities. And they came from such different backgrounds out of Atlanta and different stories. And both of them really in their own unique way have such an, an amazing emotional intelligence, which is what we really focus on with Generation Next Project. Um, so what my company does, uh, or part of one of the services we offer is called legacy branding. So we did a little bit of work with Richard Petty. Uh, we, uh, did some work with the family and Bobby Jones, and then, um, we had the opportunity to uh, present and meet with Evander Holyfield. And essentially what we're saying is you did your story. Now we got to figure out how do we take your story and, and, and make it where I'll actually, I got to tell you the pitch in the conference room this is yeah. what i said to him yeah. and this was um this was awesome uh in terms of how he reacted to it but i said you know what year was your first professional boxing match and he said 1984 madison square garden by the way um not, not a bad first not place a bad stage yeah. not a bad stage. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so uh so he said 1984 i said okay great bobby jones entered adult golf uh right around uh, 1918, and this was 2018 when, when he and I met. And I said, so here's my objective. So my objective is in the year 2084, 100 years after your first professional fight, who is sitting in a conference room talking about the future and the next piece of Evander Holyfield? And I said, because that's what I do with my great-grandfather, and that's what um, I want and our family is focused on. That hit him to just say this, your great grandkids, what we need to build between that meeting and the future was that. What we decided was really where we felt he needed to be was a mentor. 
So on February 22nd of last year, um, the eve of the Tyson Fury fight, on ESPN, we announced the Evander Holyfield Foundation. And this was, the pandemic was, our, our COVID was just being discussed. We're yeah. starting to really say, I think we had the first case in the U.S. already. Yeah, I think we get to become, March 13th timeframe when, yeah, when sports yeah. kind of stops. That's when, it, and that's what we still say, Brian, we still say like that, that Tyson Fury Wilder fight. Yeah. Um, was the last major sporting event of any significance last year before everything shut down. Yep. But we announced the foundation. Then this all happens. Um, Evander, as you know, when you're when you're a, a retired sports icon like him, a lot of your business is, is appearances, yep. speaking engagements, things like that. So we had like the the the, the terrible week of uh, you know I would say probably mid late March where everything we started seeing the cancellations and they all happened in a week so we got together and, and we said look the the one thing we can do right now is focus on your foundation and focus on this mentor message and we were learning about i'm going to say i was learning about social and emotional learning and these different companies that had all these different setups but that there was already this uh awareness that today's environment to raise a kit is a lot different than anybody that grew up in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And I was getting fascinated by this. I said, you know, here we are. I've got a theory here and I'm not the only one in America that has this theory that with this shut, they just shut everything down, you know, nationwide, everything, schools are closed, businesses are closed. So this is not going to go well. This is, there's going to be some issues that happen within the family and especially within kids depending on how long this goes. So we started a campaign called Unite for Our Fight, just a small social media campaign. Uh, trying and to get some other all influence. This, for this is all happening. Yeah, all for Evander. This is all funny. for Evander. Unite for Our Fight with the number four. Mm -hmm. So Unite, number four, Our Fight. We're like, this is great. So we got some, you know, some decent things moving on that. We get into April. We're really starting to see the, the true effects of the shutdown. Um, and I have a, a business partner, one of my first investors, and he's a, now just a great friend, um, admirable guy. He's a, a West Point grad, uh, graduate. He was the last graduating class pre 9-11. Mm. Um, incredible businessman, sold, uh, built a company, sold it to IBM back in 2016 for a, a, nice, a nice chunk of money. And on April 17th, um, Brad, uh, his, his, he had a 13 year old son. He was four days shy of his, I'm sorry, 12 year old son, four days shy of his 13th birthday. And they had the unimaginable happen. Um, Hayden, uh, took his own life. And, um, it, I didn't find out until the next day and, and finding out, uh, you, you know, in today's world, the, the pluses and minuses of social media. Well, mm -hmm. I guess the plus and the minus at the same time was that's how I found out. Mm. Um, he had started posting things. And so uh, one of my employees contacted me and she said, did something happen to Brad's son? I, said, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. So I reached out to his assistant. And uh, at the time she said, uh, yes, a tragic accident and Hayden's no longer with us. And um, it rocked me. Uh, yeah. it, it, it actually absolutely rocked me. And a day or two later, um, 
I did talk to Brad and found out that it was suicide. And, you know, this is a, a hard thing for us to talk about, Brian, but I think it's important just to put a little detail into this, into this day and just have a general understanding of, you know, what that meant. Um, Hayden was by all standards a healthy, very successful uh, student. Uh, he was athletic, good social life, uh, good student uh, in terms of academics. Teachers loved him and uh, no history of mental health. Now, it's important that we understand that doesn't always mean that there isn't any, but they were had not detected any issues with hate. And um, so they had had a typical Friday um, where we had the shutdown and everything happening. Nobody could go into the office. And, um, and Brad's dad comes over to do a house project. Hayden helps out on the house project. They tell him how good of a job he did. Just, you know, just this glorious day. Yeah. And the dad or the uh, Hayden's grandfather, Brad's dad leaves. Brad gets uh, onto a phone call for business. Uh, Hayden goes up into his room to play video games. And Brad just wraps up the phone call. And his nine-year-old daughter comes down to the office and says, Dad, um, Hayden's hurt himself. And hey, so Brad runs up to the room. Um, I won't, I don't want to do a lot of detail from that point on, but um, he found Hayden unconscious, um, you know, had to call 911. He had to put his nine-year-old daughter to work, um, sending her, they basically had to, I guess, emulate the fire drill kind of thing, get out to the neighbors, let the neighbors know. Neighbors came in to try to help uh, resuscitate. Paramedics got there quickly, but unfortunately it was uh, too little too late and, uh, and Hayden uh, had, had passed away. And the, the driver on this um, was, uh, Hayden was a big gamer. Uh, he was big into Fortnite. And back in December prior, they had gotten him a new monitor. And a couple weeks later, he got mad through the remote control and broke the monitor. And so as any family and parents, you sit down and you say, hey, this is, you know, you cannot behave like this and you cannot let your anger um, cause you to do something that causes this type of damage. You're not getting a new monitor until you earn it. So he had been working since uh, January, um, you know, just doing chores, being nicer to his sister, all these things. And he had gotten a new monitor about two weeks before this happened. And so they find out that what had happened was he got mad at Fortnite. He had thrown the remote control. He broke the new monitor. Um, then made an emotional decision that he could not recover from. And now we have to take this and go with it and figure out how do we make good out of it. Um, so this is really interesting, Brian. I got to, um, you know, we got to take this one step further to really yeah. get the, uh, the idea of the Huntsville family. Some listeners may have heard this name before. Uh, Brad, the first thing they did was they celebrated Hayden's birthday on his birthday four days later. Um, they got some people in the community together, did a balloon raise, all of this under social distancing yeah. and uncertainty and everything. Just, and then the follow for a second, for a second, yeah, just yeah. Moment, go ahead. Right? Like to think about everything that sets that up, right? To to hear the the process of how this terrible, terrible thing happens to them. And then to four days later, be faced with the young man's birthday and to go out and celebrate it. Um, 
you said it rocked you. I mean, it's the only way you could likely explain to someone not interwoven in this, or, or unfortunately, someone who hasn't had this happen to them in their family, just what it what it did to this inner circle of folks that you're around. I mean, it, it's it's incredibly amazing, not in a good way, of all no. that happens and the strength of that family to have to four days later, unbelievable. To do that's unbelievable. It. it it, it really is. And, and again, I, I always, especially from this day forward, I always have, but from that day forward, I've always said Brad's a soldier. I mean, West Point grad and everything. I mean, he's truly every sense of the word. He's a soldier. And the, the, the first conversation with Brad after Hayden's birthday was when he first said, I'm going to do something. This is not, I'm not going to have any, anybody else is not going to lose a kid. Yeah. Um, I've got to do something. And I said, well, look, I said, do you want my, you want my friend hat or do you want my business hat on right now? And he said, well, both. I said, well, my friend hat is telling you right now, um, you need to mourn. You need yeah. to, you need to, take to, some you time. Need to go and, and, uh, and deal with this and take care of your family, take care of your wife and your daughters. He has two daughters. And I said, now professional side says, if you want to do this, what do you want to do? And he said, uh, that, you know, obviously uh, he wanted to start researching, understanding teen suicide and then some stuff on gaming, things like that. He had not seen the final product of Unite for a Fight. So we get off this phone call and the next day he calls us like, I was just on Facebook and I just watched the messaging of Unite for a Fight. He said, oh, that yeah. is it. Yeah. I'm in. What, what can we do? We created overnight. Um, we did a website, haydenscorner.org created the website, created a GoFundMe, and we went, we went to town. We started, wow. started the process. The next week, Brad wakes up one morning, three days after burying his son. And he wakes up and the sun's just rising in the backdrop. And he's out in, they live in Texas, you know, so just this Texas sunrise. And he starts Facebook live and he just starts talking. And in the first couple minutes of the discussion, he says, COVID killed my son, but not the way you think. And he went into this incredibly intelligent, non-political rant about irrational empathy. And that you think as a politician or as a leader, you, you are doing the best by protecting everyone from this unknown virus. But and what you're protecting is an older age group or vulnerable people and everything. But once you start doing that at the expense or the detriment of another, you're no longer acting really under empathy. It's, it's, it's becoming a little bit um, counterintuitive, if that's a fair way to put it. So he goes on this rant. It's 21 minutes long. And a couple of days later, he texts me and he says, my video has gone viral. And I said, what? And I go and I pull up Facebook and sure enough, uh, Brad's video has 175,000 views. And that's I was like, all right. Yep. yep. I was like, that's, that is unbelievable, man. You were resonating with people. Another gentleman named Brooks Gibbs, who's a PhD and goes around schools, has this incredible program an incredible platform uh, about bullying and emotional intelligence comes across the video, takes it, his own responsibility, chops it down to an 11 minute video captions it puts it out there we took it put it on a vander's uh 
uh, page and Unite for Our Fights page. That video has over 150 million views now. Wow. 150 million. Brad has been on uh, NBC Nightly News, uh, Fox with uh, Tucker. Tucker was the first one to take him <laughs> because I think at the time, nobody wanted to talk about having the kids shut down. Sure. Tucker sure. took him early. Daily Mail, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, you name it. They have covered Brad's story because he's done such an incredible job to say, here's the stat, Brian, get ready for this. This is the one thing that he's running with on, on, this, on the teen suicide piece. 10 to 15 year olds, second leading cause of death, suicide. 15 to 20, suicide. 20 to 30, suicide. He did not know this. And with first phone call that we're on, with uh, uh, an organization supporting suicide. And he asked them straight up, what's the stats? What's, what's the data telling us? And they said, Brad, here's the problem. We don't have data before 2017. And he said, you gotta be kidding. So that sent him on just this incredible mission. So um, let me, I'll, I want let's get this around to the good, to, to where we, where we're trying to go yep. here. Yep. Me trying to digest COVID in general, and all of us trying to digest the pandemic was was pretty challenging, and it affected taxing, my bro. business. Taxing, bro. I mean, just, I mean, not to mention what it's physically doing by taking some of our loved ones away from the actual disease itself. The the mental ramifications of dealing with this thing over the last year and a half have been exhausting. You know, part of this too, because what it does is it ends up. Sp- spurning in you guys that this project part of what i want to lean in on this for a second on hayden's story here before we go into this next part part of this that, that jumps into my brain is is to constantly be having these conversations and by no means am i suggesting that brad and his family did not have them with your children because i think that's what ultimately you're getting towards here is no matter what happens to you no matter what you do you're you're 10 12 11 9 all your kids as they're all growing up no matter what you do there's nothing that we can't handle and deal with. There are some things that can't yes. be undone. And what you've likely learned through this process is even having told that young man that something mentally didn't connect in that moment. And he still thought that was the best way out. How does all that, do you agree? What are your it's thoughts on that? 1000%. Brad, Brad's hashtag is conversations matter. I mean, you just nailed it. That's where he went. He takes ownership. He and his wife take ownership that they never thought they had to talk to a 12 year old about suicide. But that's when you start backing the story up and, or, and you start looking even pre pandemic alarming increases in rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide happening in this age group. And, and look, they've got uh, uh, he's got a documentary, a PSA documentary out uh, called Almost 13, where uh, they've got a psychiatrist on there. And she said they've seen five and six year olds attempting suicide. I was like, that's just a, I have a six year old son. It's like my son can't think about that. Like That's impossible, but it's happening. But it's happening. And the reason why well, I don't want to say the reason, but a lot of this is just because of this flip switch change that started happening around 2005 to 2010 with instant communication, instant access to anything. Um, And then a comfort from parents to kind of say, my kid's playing a video game, um, you know, might be interacting with friends or whatever. And 
I'm sorry, I got to say it this way. They're not fighting each other. I'm not having to break up fights. They're it's not buy, getting in it's trouble. It's buying me some time. It's buying, buying me some time. time. But what has caused or what has happened is think about when we were going through school, when the school bell rang at the end of the day, your social life ends unless you go and play with a friend at their house or whatever it is. And you go home, you kind of have this family life. You have this second life or it's sports or whatever. Then you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, rent cycle, repeat. Now that for us was even trying because during that time at school was when the bullying occurred or getting picked on or getting broken up with by the girlfriend or whatever it was. Now it does not get turned off. It is always on for these kids. They cannot run away from it. They cannot escape it. You have human, just your, your instinct is, especially if you're in a situation where are you being bullied, picked on, girlfriend breakup, that you want to seek and see, is anyone is anyone talking about this? Or my phone just dinged? That, what did that, you know, that's, that's something where as parents, we can't even begin to comprehend. And that's the biggest thing with Generation Next Project, and we'll get into this. I'm not here to, uh, and definitely do not want to, lecture or say I have the answer. I don't. But we have to collectively, number one, say there's a problem. And then number two, say, what can we do to make an immediate impact, the midterm impact, and the long-term impact? And that's, you know, this just all of that hit last year. And I was like, I cannot escape this thought. I cannot escape just this idea that I'm going to wait around and wait for someone to do it to help my six-year-old son as he gets into this very critical age group. So I jumped in. All right. So tell us the mission of Generation Next Project and where you're currently at in the life cycle of this endeavor. It's well, we just launched two weeks ago uh, officially. And so we, you know, going through the ideation and getting the brand and the messaging and everything together was so fun. Then we hit the green, uh, you know, the go button. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, now we got to really start getting into execution. But mm -hmm. the uh, so Generation X project, one of the things that um, was very important to me and always has been my whole life is this relationship with Bobby Jones. And that you have this really unique balance in this situation where uh, I, I want to appreciate, respect, and celebrate what my great-grandfather did. But I also have the discipline and understanding I didn't do them. I, I, yeah, I was born into a situation where, uh, or into a family where I got to look up to this amazing person. But the only thing I can do is just take lessons of that and say, how do you want to live your life. And so Bobby Jones has always been very much uh, revered as, you know, a gentleman uh, of incredible character, um, you know, just these ethics, morals, and understanding the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. And then he had just this unbelievable ability to kind of say golf and life are, are very much the same dance. Yeah. Remember how uh, it started for him though. Guys, remember what Robert told us earlier, remember how it started for Bobby Jones with that fateful club throw and that anger and that aggression and how he had to check that. And then think about how he's revered now. That's, that's incredible. That's it. And that you have that decision. You have the ability to make that change. And if it's not anger, if it's something else, if it's guilt or whatever, um, that, you know, so, uh, 
the anxiety of, but I've dealt with anxiety. I've, I've, I've had to deal with that for, you know, probably 15, 20 years now. And I know that you don't just sit there and wake up one morning and go, okay, I'm not going to be anxious today. Don't worry like that. Um, but it did show that you can make a change. You can do some things. So when I was looking at this, I was like, you know, I've never really thought about or wanted to go out into the business world and put on the flag that I'm Bobby Jim's great grandson. But when I started looking at this and when I started rereading what he had written in his day, uh, incredible writer, I mean, just absolutely incredible writer and how he thought about life. Um, I just kind of went, you know what, there's something here because I can take what he's saying and I can create that as a message for myself, but also as kind of the foundation to start this and move to help out others. So the mission that we really focused in on is, is to start creating um, solutions and education pieces um, to help on social and emotional development for kids. And then the shorter term of that, uh, a fairly new, ter new term, new being 15 years or so, uh, emotional intelligence. And, and that you understand happiness, you understand sadness, you understand adversity, uh, forgiveness. There's both sides of these emotions that we're not really teaching our kids to do, number one, because not nearly as much interpersonal uh, communication. Mm -hmm. And then number two, they're overwhelmed. They are so inundated with information and, and, ex, and experience and uh, online experience and everything. So that was the big mission. It's like, all right, so the Generation X project is me saying, my generation, um, I am here to do what Bobby Jones essentially has done for me and for us. Create something, create a structure, create a system, uh, invest in a product, whatever it is, that's going to, in 20, 30, 40 years, be able to impact our leaders, be able to impact our folks. So we got to start now. And I was like, all right, if I do this, if I start trying to create the solution on day one, then I'm going to spend, could be a year, could be two years, three years, trying to figure out what that solution is, raise the money to do it, get the program out, get the awareness up, we get the drill, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, what if I go out and just select a couple that I think are already doing it and I can be a marketing arm and a storytelling arm to, for them so that they can get the benefits of what Generation Next Project's able to raise. And then as we're going through that process, I can start building anything proprietary. So just in going back through some of the past year, um, there were three entities that I got introduced to that I was like all three of them and what was more important Brian was they're all three addressing the problem but from a different angle so uh, first one go real quick here positivity sure. project uh, and positivity project that's another West Point guy um, and he graduated I think the year after Brad and um, his name is Mike Irwin. And Mike is a fascinating story. Actually, I think could be a great guest for you. Absolutely. He has two charities. Yeah, um, hard commit on that. Yeah, Team Red, White, and Blue, and then Positivity Project. Um, he did three tours uh, overseas. Um, and now, and he comes back and, and all he can think to do is, is to help kids and to help 
veterans. Those are those two, two big points. So the Positivity Project is a program already created, already made, new content always being developed. I've seen it in my daughter's school before. There you go. Exactly. Okay, so yep. sitting in the schools. Yes, they're in over 700 schools now. And we need to turn that 700 into 7,000, right? So never, never enough, uh, enough energy that can go into that. So that one, I was like, that's a perfect to get me into the schools to see how the schools will embrace this issue. And this is a great resource for them. And now if, if Generation Next Project can do its job, the school doesn't have to pay for it. We'll pay for it. We'll get somebody to sponsor the school or adopt the school, things like that. Mm -hmm. The second one um, was golf related. And I had just uh, kind of been entrenched in theirs in this group system and really learned a lot about them and was fascinated. And it was uh, the AJGA, which is the American Junior Golf Association. And they are the top tier golfers in the country at the youth level. So from about freshman, sophomore, high school level. Uh, and they showcase by golf standard, they sh are showcased where scouts can come to these tournaments and things like that. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. You name a PGA player that that is uh, American born raised. They went through the AJGA. Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods. I mean, I go on and on and on. All of them. AJGA. But what I found out was two things. Number one, AJGA is character development. A lot, First Tee does a similar thing, but they focus big time on how to be uh, a, a good sport, how to mm -hmm. understand the rules of the game, and how to walk around life with character. But then they took it a step further, and they started a program called Leadership Links. And what Leadership Links does is it incentivizes uh, the members that want to participate Find something you're passionate about. Go out, raise money for it. And the more money you raise, we will, uh, you know, you can raise it and 50% goes to that and 50% goes to AJGA where the AJGA can use it in their financial assistance program, interns, other things. I mean, just fantastic. And the more they raise, the more they get perks, they get gifts, they get access to a tournament that is you know, difficult to get into, but because they did stuff with leadership links. And I just really, really love the idea that golf has the stigma of being kind of the upper class game, right? And sometimes we can take for granted, um, you know, with parents or whatever, that maybe they don't teach their kid that they are that not everybody has the same abilities mm -hmm. and you know financial whatever it is that you have, and and not everybody in AJG is is like that. Don't get me wrong, um, but I looked at that and I was like, you know, this is such a fascinating thing to teach these kids from 12 years old up to 15 years old. Reach down to pull others up, go help somebody else, and I loved it. And I said because of the golf piece, because they really do reflect the characters of Bobby Jones. Boom, there's number two. Then the third one is one called Dream Tank. And Dream Tank, I could take three hours of your show to tell you what Dream Tank's doing, but uh, I was introduced to Dream Tank through uh, Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman's the founder of Priceline, um, your neck of the woods back in the day, Raleigh. Um, and he is now just a worldwide entrepreneur leader. And he's the chairman of Dream Tank. Uh, the founder is, uh, is a, a lady named Heidi Kapari. And Heidi started Dream Tank because, love this, ideas that were coming from her daughter, 
who was or now 15, and her son, who's 11 or 12. And they've created this global network focusing on the 17, like one of the uh, most important initiatives by United Nations um, that affect the future of Earth. And they have created a global network to get kids from all over the world to collaborate. And their biggest kind of piece of this that I got fascinated with was we're not we don't want to be the adults telling the kids what to do, how to think and how to solve the problem. We're going to zip it and we're going to let the kids tell us. And then if they start creating uh, opportunities, businesses, other services, we're going to invest in them. So one of their first ones coming out uh, that they've been working with for a couple of years, the, 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 the young girl, I think she's uh, maybe 12 or 13 now. She's 11 at the time. She made a sunscreen that's safe to the coral reefs. That's about to go to market. So it's things like that, yeah. that I just was like, I'm seeing this evolution. I'm in the classroom. I'm in, I'm on the streets in the community. And then I'm telling the kids dream big and here's how you get your future. So it, it just all kind of piled together. It all, it all comes together. All right, I'm going to do the uh, the pitch presentation, right? The investor moment. Where's this thing going? Where will this thing be in the next few years? As an uh, incredible question, and I'm going to circle back around to golf a little bit on this, but we are uh, focusing on the golf community for numerous reasons, and obviously the Bobby Jones piece of it. But I also started looking at that saying, okay, but why, where's the why mm -hmm. other than that? Um, but I do know that or felt that golf has a pretty large family community around it from the private country clubs to public courses, to just going to a golf tournament in your community. Um, charities use golf tournaments as the, as the biggest fundraiser. And so I felt like that if I kind of said, that's my market, that's where I want my voice to be heard. I'm hitting people that have families and have kids that are five up to 18, 20 years old. I mean, you go to a, a country club that's abundant. You go to a golf tournament, you see the kids running around with the dads, that's abundant. So that was the first thing was that starts there. Um, where this goes is, is quite fascinating. I think where um, the goal, the goals of the other three entities on top of ours. Um, it's, it's, you know, if you put it all together and succeed by 2025, we're talking about millions, um, millions of dollars that we would raise to go into their existing programs. And then what our big piece from our end is to tell this story, but, but to sometimes you can just be able a little bit on the outside make an impactful story, invest in how that story is told and how it gets out and get people to understand emotional intelligence, which is again, kind of a new term that's, mm -hmm. that's thrown around a little bit more and more. It's something that every household needs to be very conscious of. Um, so if that's, uh, you know, as we go through our programs with Generation Next Project, uh, we've got a couple ideas on what those will look like. Um, but the big thing right now is, is, is investing in and helping these three and getting them to their goals. So I'll give you a few like AJGA, uh, you know, I think it's in um, five years, I think maybe, or is it a little bit longer than that? Maybe it's eight years, but uh, $3 million raised by those kids. Um, and they've got about on average about 350, 400 kids participating a year. Mm -hmm. So 
let's double it. Let's double it by 2023, 2024. Let's do it in two to three years. Let's get that number up to 7 million. Uh, Dream Tank is uh, the more and more that they grow in and start getting these kids to develop programs themselves. Um, they're doing hackathons and things like that. The more that we need to fund them to have the kids be able to do that at no cost. That also starts creating, like I just used as an example, actual products that go out into the marketplace that this 12-year-old is doing as an entrepreneur. You're doing that uh, if participating in Generation Next, you're advancing that. Mm -hmm. And then we already kind of hit on Positivity Project, but Positivity Project, hands down, um, 700 schools is an amazing accomplishment absolutely amazing accomplishment but can we put a little bit extra energy behind that to advance that move that forward and the best way to do that is to not put the burden of cost on the school but generation next project is able to acquire funds and then go to a school or a school system to have this implemented into their school and it's uh, just an annual after that so that's 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 really where we we, we want to see this go i uh Last thing on that, Brian, is uh, the you know to to reflect on golf and use golf as kind of the example, and that being a talking point is wonderful. Uh, it's very important also to see this is about life, and that's why again I'm going to go back to the Bobby Jones thing. Bobby Jones talked a lot about life when he wrote or when he spoke. He talked about friendship and adversity and all these great things. That's life. Mm -hmm. So I don't want it to get so focused in on is this influence or is this how does golf do this it's just that that's where we need to have it that's where it needs to live and it's incredible strength of purpose that is centered around this and and really what's going to uh become this these beautiful partnerships between these organizations that are already seeking to do so much good but imagine when you can bring them together, right? If you can amplify that, if you can take the resources that you guys are going to work hard to do. Guys, count yourself lucky. We don't take it for granted where we're at. We're very fortunate. You heard what he said. They've only been at this for a couple of weeks. One of the first two or three interviews you've even done to go into this much detail about what this project looks like. So guys, in the pick up the six world, consider yourselves part of the, the ground level of, of getting to hear about this. It's amazing. All right, where can we send folks if they want to know more? Shoot me if they want to get involved, if they want to help you. How can they do that? That's uh, yes. Yeah, so we have the website up. Uh, it's generationnextproject.org. That'll give you kind of the basic information. We've got some more things that are uploading in in the next coming weeks uh, uh, on the education side and the kind of think about it side. Uh, but cool. you can make a donation there. Uh, there's a list, a couple of things that you can do as a volunteer. Uh, another thing, uh, we want to create a junior ambassador program. So we want to have kids involved where we're not asking them to go out and um, you know sell candy bars to raise money or anything like that. We wanna hear their ideas. We wanna hear what, uh, what they think can and can't work to help them uh, be able to take to this new world and to understand the goods and the bads to technology. Mm -hmm. So I mean, te technology is not going anywhere. Yep. Um, so we have to learn to live where we can be comfortable speaking face to face, we can be comfortable dealing with emotions and everything that we feel like we've got a little fragmented. So, but that's the best thing to do right there. And then uh, we are finalizing and I'll make sure that you get uh, a notice on this on finale, but we're going to do our first event uh, down in Atlanta uh, during the week of the tour championship. Uh, the idea coming together is, uh, is absolutely unbelievable, but it'll actually uh, go over the course of about 10 days 
It'll be based in the Buckhead area. Uh, so if there's any uh, anybody that's in Atlanta that wants to be a part of that, uh, bring it on. But um, we're, we're just we're going hard and fast right now. And we just want to tell a good story. I love it. You know, guys, we talk uh, quite a bit about legacy on this show. We've had a lot of conversations about legacy and and what that looks like, whether it's a hero who's paid the ultimate price for our nation, the legacy they leave behind, whether it's a business owner that's gone on to create uh, something so much bigger than themselves and what that legacy looks like. Bobby Jones left a legacy here as well. And you talked about it before, Robert. I want to wrap it up with this. Are those words, right? He, he, he wrote so much. He spoke so much. He was such a great writer. So in that, he's left part of his legacy on paper. And I know it's something that, that drives you, that, that's uh, helped you organize a lot of these efforts. So why don't you leave us with a little bit of Bobby Jones in his own words, in his own words. <laughs> What what a great way that that's uh, that is so awesome. Uh, yeah, I I think there's two quotes uh, out of out of many, but there's two quotes that really I, I feel like resonate to today. Uh, and one of them uh, is a, a lot of people have heard it. And that is, golf is the closest game to the game we call life. You get bad breaks from good shots. You get good breaks from bad shots. But you have to play the ball where it lies. Think about that, Brian. I mean, just, I mean, just how that is dealing with adversity that is dealing with victory. That is handling your emotions to understand you get a good shot. You get a good break or a a bad break when you've hit a good shot and vice versa. I've always just looked back to that quote as has the sporting world and just been like, what a great way to really explain how life goes. I mean, we, we, we have those good days and bad days, right? You play aware lies. You could hit the greatest drive. You could smoke the greatest drive. It could hit a sprinkler head and it could go bouncing <laughs> in the total wrong direction. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next when that adversity hits you? That's a great, and that's that's a great and, and, and that discipline to be able to have that short memory, mm-hmm. the discipline to understand what you do next is going to have a lot of ramifications. I mean, you could go literally take that quote and have a panel on it for an hour and break down everything yep. you get out of it. Totally. And then the other one that I'm going to leave you on, and this is my personal favorite. Um, uh, and, and to me, uh, and actually when Tiger won East Lake, uh, the parade down the 18 fairway, uh, I was very moved by that on a whim, wrote a very nice letter to uh, send a tiger. I had a friend at Bridgestone that could get it over to him. I will say I didn't get any back, but I don't care. <laughs> I wanted him to hear this quote because of how Tiger's story had done such a turnaround. And you'd seen this guy go from greatness to uh, just everything off the course, built himself back up. And that march down the 18th green um, was just unbelievable. And then he followed that up the following April by taking down the 2019 masters. Incredible. But this is the, but this is the line, the main idea in golf as in life, I suppose is to learn to accept what cannot be altered and to keep on doing one's own reasoned and resolute best, whether the prospect be bleak or rosy. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful there, but think about that for a second. You've got to keep doing your own reasoned and resolute best. That means within the rules, within the boundaries, and you've got to do it, whether that prospect is going to be bleak or rosy, 
And keep in mind that at 46 years old, Bobby Jones was diagnosed with syringomyelia, which is a neurological disorder. And over the course of his last 20, 25 years on this earth, um, he had bleak. There wasn't a lot of Rosie, but he always did the first part. He did his own reasoned and resolute best, even under those bleak terms. And uh, that's, we want to celebrate how he lived his life doing that. Powerful. Powerful. He's Robert Jones Black. It's called Generation Next Project. Guys, go check it out. Brother, thank you so much for not only sharing your story, the incredible impactful work you're doing now through this, but connecting us back to Bobby Jones through it and showing that even a golfer from the 20s, there's applicable connection to today. And I hope you guys will go back, hit that rewind button a few times, maybe pull those quotes out jot them down, toss it up on your mirror, give you a little motivation as you're going through it. Robert, thank you so much, man. Enjoy it, Brian. Thank you. And good luck to all of uh, everything you're doing. And uh, I just absolutely love what you're doing, man. Thank you so much. You got it, brother. He's Robert Jones Black. I'm Brian Jodas. And this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.